I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay, Gracie, tell our listeners where we are. Well, we're in Jamaica, Dad. Jamaica. We're in Montego Bay. Um, This is the first time that I've been back to Jamaica since I came here when I was 18 years old on my gap year. Gap year. uh, Okay, thanks for interrupting Mm -hmm. me at every moment of my speech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you making a speech? Sorry. Yeah, making a speech, speech, actually. It's a podcast. People like to listen to nice, chunky conversations. I am talking right now, okay? I think it would irritate you if I spoke over you Mm -hmm. at every point. Um, I came here on my gap year for a few months because I... I'm obsessed with reggae and wanted to be a tour manager when I was younger. So my career has taken a very different path because now I'm not a reggae tour manager. <laughs> but that was the dream that I would come to Jamaica. Damien Marley would meet me and he'd say, this, I want her to run my tour. You know, she's so cool. That didn't happen. But here we are back in Jamaica <laughs> seven years later. Um, you know what I did the last time I was in Jamaica? Yeah, you interviewed Usain Bolt. I did. When I came to Jamaica on my gap year, I met Usain Bolt in a club, oh. right? And I was following him around. This was in 2013, so it had just been the London Olympics, and Usain Bolt was was so cool. And, I mean, he mega. is so cool, but he was mega at that point. He was so famous, especially in London. He was, like, the hero of that Olympics. And I was following him around this nightclub in Kingston, and he was dancing with loads of girls. And I kept taking pictures of him dancing with these different girls just so I could send back to my friends in London. And then his security guard came up to me and said, you know, he's just trying to live his life. Stop, stop taking pictures of him. And I was like, I'm just a really big fan. You know, I, it was, I'm from London. Like, we love him in London. And he was like, OK, come and meet him. So he took me outside and Usain was sitting in his Range Rover. And I got in Usain's Range Rover and just chatted to him about the Olympics for a few minutes. And then he had a picture with me. Nice. It's a very good story. Well, I, I interviewed him for GQ and I wrote him about him wrote about him in my book on winners. Um, and our guest on the podcast today, what a segue is this? Yeah, because I know, let's, because let's the say, guest on the podcast Usain today... Bolt, Usain, Usain Bolt is without doubt the most famous male sprinter and the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time female sprinter... Well, also with more medals than Bolt indeed. is the woman that we have travelled from Montego Bay to, to Kingston, Kingston today. We're in her salon, right? Which Lady she started, Shelley Lady Shelley Salon in Kingston. And we are so excited to be interviewing Shelley Ann Fraser, Fraser Price. Price. <laughs> Shelley Ann Fraser Price, how many medals have you got? 
and where do you keep them? Okay, so I have quite a few. I'm not really counting all of them, but I have quite a few. And I'm, I guess for every single medal that I have, I'm proud of every one of them, no matter what color they are, because, you know, they definitely hard work and a lot of sacrifice. Well, even the bronze? Even the bronze, really? yes. Even okay. the bronze. But that's for one medal. Give me one medal that you just think, that is the one. If I was only allowed to keep one medal, that's mm -hmm. the one I'm going to keep. Arlene, I'm going to answer that in two parts. So, my bronze medal at the 2016 Olympic Games, I would have said, yeah, before t this year, I would have said yes, because when I had that toe injury going into the, the championship, you know, there are a lot of times I wanted to just call it a season and yeah. be like, no, it's not going to work. But I believe that mental toughness and that sacrifice and that commitment that I that I had during that time was so vital for me going into 2019, even after I had my son. So for me, I, at that time, I would say that one, because for me, I never even thought it would be possible to Where get to the finals. Where did you think you finals. would dance? I didn't even know I would get to the finals because I'd been not training for months. Like wow. Some days I would go to training and literally start jogging and that was it I can't do anything else that's why athletes hated anything but gold <laughs> that's not true so you, not love this one. you love the bronze I love that one because for me it tested my strength you know it's good when we when we are doing well and we get the gold medals because yeah we're, we're, we feel good and we're good but it's another thing when you have to fight but do you think that's that why then when so we're kind of jumping forward now but You've had a child, mm -hmm. and you're the second woman ever to win gold in a world championship as a mother, right? And so when you got pregnant and thought, okay, I'm having a baby, because of that toe injury, knowing that you got bronze even when you thought you wouldn't even get to the final, mm -hmm. do you think that's what contributed to you being like, yeah, I'm going to have a baby, and then I'm still going to compete, and I'm no, going to win gold? <laughs> no, that was, that was not a contributor at all. Because going into 2017, um, I would have been the defending champion. So I was more focused on getting that toe fixed because I was scheduled to do a, a surgery in um, Boston to fix my toe. And then, whoops, you know, pregnant. So that was it. So I had that year off that, you know, as I said, in 2016, that mental toughness and that, you know, pulling on that, on the things that we speak about being fearless and, you know, the willpower, that's when I needed that. So I got pregnant and I had that year off. I was nervous. I was worried about, you know, taking a year off, turning 30. And is it possible to come back after having a baby to, you know, running at but your you race? you when you were pregnant? No, I didn't. I thought you did. I thought you had one competition when you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. right? oh, okay. <laughs> no. You took the whole year off? I took the whole year off. I was training, though. I trained up until six months. Right. So I trained for six months and then I just braked and I took the time to... Just spend time with my family, my friends, mentally rejuvenate, you know, just my outlook and my perspective on who I am. And, and then in that time, did your toe get better? Was that when it, when you I recovered think, from that? Yeah. So I, funny enough, I still call my doctor and I'm like, oh, so guess what? You know, I'm pregnant. And he's like, okay, but we can't do the surgery because we have no fetal monitor and it wouldn't be safe. We don't think it would be safe. And I said, okay. And then he said to me, you know what the good thing is? Well, not him. My husband said to me, maybe this is the break your toe needs to kind of, you know, 
to to get back to where it used to be and one of the things that i thought was going to be helpful was the fact that you know your blood supply would be a lot more so more oxygenated blood would be flowing through the toe and i'm like maybe this is a good thing you know no heels you know mm-hmm. i was always in flats no training and so so maybe that would heal my toe so i was more like okay i'm not gonna do anything i was still doing rehab which is funny i would go to the doctor and do some two exercises to strengthen the area and stuff like that so you know going into 2019 now i felt a lot more confident because i knew what i'd gone through 2016 and i knew how it was 2017 not being able to compete for so long missing the sport but still having my baby and still more passionate than ever so all of those qualities kind of contributed to what mm-hmm. i had to do in 2019 so having that gotten um, getting that gold medal was like yeah you know all mm. the work you know and that's why I believe so much in the process. But you've now got you've got you, you've got more golds, Olympic and worlds than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, more than any man, including <laughs> for the world, <laughs> including the great Saint Leo. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you're kind of right up there. Yeah. And how long have you got left? I don't know. For me, I take it a year at a time. I try not to. I go with how my body feels. How so do you feel now? I feel good. Okay. I feel really good. I feel like... Is Zion going to get any brothers and sisters? And I don't know about that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that Is one. Just that he went into labour when the world champ- the 2017 yeah, World Championship Yeah, so after the 100 metre finals, I was watching the finals and of course I was cheering for my teammates and I was just cheering. I was so nervous and we were all there watching and I'm like, and we didn't get the middle and I'm like, and you know, I freaked out and then I went into labor in the morning. I was the already... Zion was like, I need to get out of this so she can get back in the race and win. It's funny because I was actually I was actually in labor from the night, but I was I'm one of those persons you to call to a doctor it. for everything. I'm like, oh my toe hurts, oh my belly hurts. So I wanted to make sure it was accurate. You know, I was like, all right, and I'm gonna stay a bit and wait just to make sure. And then I went to the bathroom, I'm like, okay, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so why do you think Jamaica is so good at producing sprinters? Um, I honestly think that it has to do with just the system that we have here in Jamaica. I don't know how much you know of that system, Fair but bit. we've been running from we are in mm. basic, we call it basic school, yeah. primary, high, college. Yeah. So the level of competitiveness and competition that we have had from we are small, it's almost something that's embedded in who we are. And we are competitive as a people, very competitive, and we love sports. So you find that, you know... So what about the whole reputation for being very laid back and very chilled? That doesn't really go with competitiveness, does it? No. You're not like that, really. I am competitive and I'm chill. Okay. You know, can when it, oh, yeah, I can be both. It depends on the situation. I'm, you know, I would like to tell my friends that I compartmentalize very good. Like, I section up my life. Mm-hmm. I'm an athlete, so when that time comes, I'm all zoned in on what I need to accomplish and the work that I need to do. 
So I'm in a no-nonsense mood when it comes to things yeah. like that. When I'm at home with my family, then I'm super chill. When I'm with my friends, then I'm funny and I'm, and I'm a clown. You know, we're joking about different things. So time and a place. And I'm very strict when it comes to my training. So you say how, you know, from a really young age here, you're like running and mm-hmm. doing athletics. When was it that you thought, okay, I'm going to really do this? So funny enough, my coach in high school, and a lot of people would always say, oh, Shelley, you're very good at what you do. And you can go really far. You can go to the Olympics. And I'd be like, okay. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I didn't really believe. You know, I wasn't that person that was like, oh, yes, I'm going to be athlete because I'm good. I never even thought I was that good. You know, I thought I was okay, but I didn't thought I was good. So you needed a coach to tell you? Yeah, my coach actually told me, and a lot of people around me told me that. But you still, know, then were you like, but still in Ireland? Yeah. And no. when did you think, okay, maybe? So I, I left when I bit. left high school, and you know, my my coach Stephen Francis, um, said that you know he was interested in me coming to train with him, and I was speaking with my grandmother, and I said, you know, the University of Technology offered me a scholarship to go there to train, and she was like, go. You know, you never know what can happen. I'm like, okay. And then I packed my stuff and I went. And I was training. But funny enough, during my training sessions the first year, I was the athlete who ran one 300. And I would just sit and be like, I can't run no more. I am tired. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I was that kind of athlete. You know, I'm like, do you Do you like training? Yes, I now, love training. Yeah. Did you then? No, I would. When always, did that in high change? school, I was always in the bathroom, hiding, combing my hair, hanging out with my friends. I mean, this is like... Or when my coach, you know, my coach would um, send us on the road to run because we do a lot of road races here in Jamaica. So he would send us on the road to run, and we'd go out and we'd run with our water, and then we'd walk some of the way, and then we'd throw the water on us. <laughs> I'd be like, ah. I'm so tired. Or we'll take the bus and let the bus drop us at the top of the road and just walk the road as if why we ride. Why have you got sprinters out of the road? What's he doing, this guy? But also, that just shows how good you are. That's what you were doing at school. But that's what I was doing at school. And I remember once we were all joking and we were on the road and we were just walking and talking. And my coach had a bike. And this time he was riding the bike to see if we were actually doing the road. And then somebody yelled, Coach is coming, and we started to run. <laughs> we started to run really fast, and he was like, "I saw you, I saw you." <laughs> now listen, last time, last time I came to Jamaica was mm-hmm. to, was to do an interview with Usain Bolt, mm-hmm. and he said that there came a point in his career when he was quite a young athlete at the national championships, mm-hmm. where he felt such a pressure from the people of Jamaica mm-hmm. that he kind of. He tried to almost step away from it and to run mm. more for himself. I can see that happening yeah. because Usain was very ta- Usain and I was in school the same yeah. time. He was very talented. The whole stadium came to see him, you know, and he was probably the, the only athlete from his school that was doing well, you know. So everybody was like, oh, my God, Usain Bolt. So I can see that happening where everybody was depending on him to go. And when to- he failed, he felt they were, they were really nasty. Yeah, I remember, I, I remember those times when he went to the World Championship and he didn't medal. And they, but that's Jamaicans. The, mm. the, we are... Well, I would also include myself for some things. We are hard to please. Really? Yeah, we are hard to please. Have you ever had that where you felt you've disappointed a lot of people? No, honestly, no. I'm 
I guess I would like to say I'm a little different where I know who I am and I know why I run and if I believe I give I give a hundred percent. If you think otherwise, then that's your problem. So you don't really worry. You don't really worry what they think. No, I don't. So do you do you feel do you do you feel they put you under pressure? I mean, I would say sometimes because their expectations are high. You know, as an athlete, for me, each championship that I go and I do well, they expect at all times that. This is what you're gonna get, and this is what we want. Well, that's right? what you've done, pretty much. <laughs> right, but the occasional bronze. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't focus too much on what they expect from right. me because too many persons will expect of you, and then you carry that load. I don't want yeah. to run with any load. Yeah. I'm already trying to sprint for ten seconds. I can't mm. sprint with all, yeah. everybody on my shoulders. Yeah. You know, I'm focused on. You know, executing and doing my best. If I cross the line and I did my best, then I'm pleased. I will be disappointed if I've not accomplished the goal that I set. Period. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it means that I didn't accomplish X. So tomorrow, I'm trying again, Sorry, and this yeah. time I'm trying harder. So what what are you thinking when you're at the start lines? Like, are you trying to think of basically nothing but? Because does, does the stuff pop into your head sometimes, or are you good at like controlling? No, that? I am good at controlling those things. You know, the first time I actually, you know, in two thousand and eight, when I went when I went to the Olympic Games in Beijing, mm -hmm. I remember the uh, one thing my coach said to me. My coach said, "Nobody knows who you are. They don't expect anything from you. You know, if you go out there and you win, they'll be happy. You lose, they'll be like, oh, she's young. You know, we know we don't know who she is. So just go out.' And was and that the right thing for you? Yeah, I believe it was. I can, I can think of quite a lot of athletes who would have thought, "You mean you're telling me no?" No, I be, I understood exactly what right. he meant. Because it's that thing of not feeling you have all no, these other people's yeah, pressure so on your He's shoulder. like, you have nothing to prove. Mm. You know, it's this is your moment. Enjoy the moment. Have fun. I was 20, 20, 21 years old. This was my first major championship. I just came out of high school two years ago. I wasn't a top athlete in high school, so for him. Coming here and making the finals was such a huge accomplishment for me. He didn't want me going out there thinking, oh my God, the moment, this moment is what I'm living for. It's very but, good no. advice. Yeah, so I knew what he meant and I went out there and I smiled and I'm like, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, let's go. <laughs> what color is your hair? My hair was black. My favorite hairstyle, I would have to say in Jamaica when I ran at the Racers Grand Prix, when I had that orange, almost like fire-like, okay. I love that one. And I love the rainbow as well. <laughs> Thank you. Really what, um, what's the worst thing that's happened to you in that racing environment? I'm always fascinated by you guys when there's only eight of you and mm -hmm. you're in the final, you're in that little room and you're putting all your stuff down there. Are you all eight of you in the zone, or are you ever sort of actually competing right there and then? Before yeah, you get to everybody starts competing the minute you line up when they say final call and you get and to how the does that competition take For place? For me, I just focus on me. You know, I do look at everybody else. That's fine. I look at you, and I help. I don't. I'm not intimidated by anyone. And I think that's a priority for athletes. You know, a lot of athletes tend to go in the car room, I guess whatever rocks your boat. But for me, a lot of them, they go in the car room and they sit and they just sit and hang their head. You know, 
I'm sitting and I'm looking, looking around because I'm not intimidated. We're all equals. We're all, you know, there's nothing wrong with being competitive and wanting to achieve a goal. Are but you, seven you, other women want to achieve that goal. So you, you respect that. Are you looking for fear? If I'm looking fear? for fear, not really. I wouldn't say I'm looking for fear because I'm not trying to assess anybody. Okay. My, my, my moment in that car room is focused on my execution, what mm. I need to get done, being composed, you know, not getting, to, not getting agitated by mm. anything, but being focused and calm. And you see the like when you're in Doha, mm -hmm. um, so like that's eleventh world champ medal of I think. What um, when you're there? What when you, you you you're on the start line and you've got this pretty special thing going on because you know your son's there. Mm -hmm. Is he in your head? No, not at all. Not at all. Not, well, at all. not, not even when I'm warming up. Right. Wow. Nobody's in my head. Nothing. Oh my, God. my coach is not in my head. God is, not in my head. God is. I mean, let me see. I pray. Yeah. I don't pray to win. I pray to do what I know I can do for this moment. This is the moment that I prayed for to be healthy, to be ready, to give my best. I want to be able to give my best. I'm praying for strength and I'm praying against fear because fear cripples our promise and the goal. You know, I pray against things like that. Fear comes in the in 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 in, in shapes, different shapes. Yeah, yeah. It comes in, you know, focusing on somebody else doing a start that's gonna be competing mm. with you. Fear comes in, oh your nerves, and you start to oh I want to use the bathroom, my head's hurting. Fear comes that's in different pain. Fear comes in different ways. So I pray against fear. Right? You never say, Dear God. I really want this gold medal. Please no, help me. Never no. Say that. I pray for contentment. Right. Contentment, knowing that if I go out there and whatever happens and I did my best, if it is His will, then I'm contented. And have you always had this deep mm -hmm. faith? You've raised with it? Mm -hmm. Your parents? Yeah, yeah, my grandmother, especially. Right. Okay, and what does it what does it what does it give you? We're both atheists, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so tell us tell us what it gives you. For me, it's knowing that no matter what happens at the line. I am loved. This is, you know, this is not who I am only. It is a part of me, but it's not the entirety of who I am. Yeah. You know, I'm gifted with this gift, and I want to use this gift to bring him glory, but I also want to use it to impact, to have an impact, to get persons to understand that at mm. the end of the day, when we step to the line, we're all there to compete, yes. But you are loved, and this is a gift to enjoy, to have fun. Did you ever see the film Chariots of Fire? Yes, I've seen it. Remember Eric Little, uh -huh. the uh, Scottish runner, and he said that when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? If I feel his pleasure, yes, of course. When I run, and especially if I'm... I enjoy the moment. The moment is something that I live for. You know, you get to the line. It's an incredible feeling do to you know feel that. Excited? Like, do you excited? Yes, I am excited because I train hard. Yeah. You know, my family is watching. My friends are watching. Just the, the young people that's in the stands that are potential athletes. You know, just somebody who maybe, oh, 
at this current moment I'm pregnant or I'm coming back from having a baby and somebody's saying to me, oh, I can't, you know, there's nothing that's going to come off me. After you have a baby, you're finished. You can't go back to work. There is somebody that is looking on to draw inspiration from mm. me. So those things is the pleasure that God has given us to be able to share with somebody else from your gifts. How hard do you think it's going to be when you stop competing? For? You. How hard is it going to be? For me, I don't think it's going to be hard because, as I said, athletics is just one thing I do. Mm. It's not all of me. And you see, because you do a lot of like work with like local communities. Mm -hmm. and I have my foundation. Exactly. I participate in different charities. Can you tell us about the foundation? Well, hold on, before we do that, because I know where we're going to go to. No, 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 this is different from what you're talking about. I'm talking about the Pocket Rocket. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, foundation. So in 2012, I formed the Pocket Rocket Foundation. And this was started from... Who the called you the Pocket Rocket? I I would like to think that you know in when I was in when I just started out of high school Hubert Lawrence was a journalist here um, said that when I came out of the block because of my small size I almost looked like a small pocket size rocket right. so that's how I got so it was that a headline. it was, it was a, a it headline was a, yes because right. you are you, I've watched you for years and years and years on TV and you are when you walked in the room there you are a lot smaller yeah. Than I thought you were going to be because you look big when you're running. Yes, you're in TV adds a few pounds. <laughs> no, I think speed adds a speed. lot of it's the strength, Muscle. It's the yes, power. yes, yeah. So tell us about the foundation. Yeah, so you know when I started, as you know, I'm from Waterhouse, which is a inner city, right? And while in Kingston, so while I'm in high school, I met a, a woman whose name was Jean Coke. Mm -hmm who took an interest in who I am and wanted to help. And she would pay for my, my books, my uniform, my lunch. So she always saw more. As she's one of those persons who saw more, you know, and wanted to help. And I didn't get the privilege of, you know, uh, I guess, telling her thanks after the 2000. She died before the 2008 um, Olympic Games. So for me, that's where my giving really started mm. because I had a lot of persons who poured into who I am mm. you know, and wanted to see me succeed. Mm. And I wanted to give student athletes that opportunity because while I was in school, it was hard for my, my mother because I'm from a single um, parent. Mm. Uh, I, it was hard for me to, my mother to find food or to even pay for my books on my tuition and stuff like that. So I wanted to continue that trend. Mm. I wanted to give student athletes the opportunity to not worry about, mm. you know, where the next meal is coming from, where their books, where their uniform. And I wanted them to understand that you have to link both. You're not just athletes, we are students. And we have the power to link both and create lasting change. Mm. And eventually they'll evolve. They're, they can you know, be inspired by who I am because I was a student athlete and I graduated with a degree. I graduated from high school. And you never stopped studying. No, I didn't. I did my whole and is story. That you, did you know then that it's like, well, I will retire one day and I want to have other things that I'm going to yeah, be able to do? Yeah, you definitely. You seem like you've got a lot of things like going for you and you could choose between a lot of careers. Uh, let me put it this way. For a lot of us, a lot of student athletes are not going to be scholars. 
they're not going to do very well in the classroom, but they should have the basic. Mm -hmm. They should be given the opportunity to experience both. Because let's face it, for a lot of us, some of us are creative, some of us are athletes, some of them love you know, the, the classroom, but that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But they have the power to achieve both. And for me, being a student athlete afforded me to go to college, art for, uh, college for free. And now, they is, have that power. Shelly-Ann, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big a football fan are you? I would say five. five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The same as me. I would say five. Okay. You know, I'm a fan, but I'm not that deep. Okay. Yeah. And, do you, but you, and it's a big sport here. It's one of the national sports. Yeah, like I mean, that. it's... People are, let me tell you, Jamaicans love football, but we're not doing as well as we want. But the, no. the minute they start to do better than track, it, that's it. That's where You've it ends. It. You, don't yeah. you don't want that. You don't want that. I want them to do well because I'm all here for the regular boys and the regular girls. Yeah. So, because it's a hype thing. You, I mean, if you go to the stands for football time, it's crazy. And everybody, we're... I went to yeah, see I've been I went, to the football game. Yeah, it's no, crazy. Fun. Yes. I went we to see Jamaica football. play in England. They played a, a game in England. Uh-huh. Uh, they got up and do. And it was, yeah, there was... It's fun. Of... Our fans are like nobody Yes. Yeah. We are just different. Yeah. We love the game of football here. And what's your um you and you part of one of the other things that you do is this mm -hmm. you use football mm -hmm. for tell us about that. How you kind of, yeah. that's, so, is that part of the foundation? That's, that's that part of my foundation, it's my community initiative. So it's a peace through sports initiative. Peace through sport. Okay. Yes, yeah, so as you know, I'm as I said, I'm from Waterhouse, yeah, yeah. which is in Kingston, and we have a lot of things that's going on in there. You know, when we have young men that don't have the, 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 the space or mm -hmm. the capacity to go beyond where they are, you find that they find time for something else. Mm -hmm. And we want to engage them, especially a lot of the younger boys, because a lot of them are not going to school. So you want to engage them. And right now, in our community, we have a lot of violence going on. So I wanted to have the opportunity to bring together the community and by extension communities around Waterhouse in the game of football mm -hmm. because I believe that we can come together and when it comes to football there there are going to be disagreements and there are going to you know a lot of uh, talk when they're on the field but I want it to be able to be they have their, their atmosphere to resolve their differences on the field mm -hmm. and when they get off the field that's where it ends you know, so what do you do with them? You get them, you organize them? Yes, so I, each year, so this is my seventh year mm -hmm. doing wow. the football competition. Oh, wow. So each year, my sponsor Nike mm -hmm. will send jerseys for 20 teams. Amazing. 15, right? And they come and they pick a color and we give them the gear. They get football shorts and top and socks and we get the ball and we come and we mark the field and they come and they play. All in Waterhouse. All in Waterhouse. And then it's same like stages, group stages. So you have the preliminaries, yeah, yeah. quarterfinals, things like that. And then it gets to the finals. And it's a great way to bring the community together. Because yeah. what we find is a lot of, even our young girls. So even though it's a piece through sports, I'm also trying to engage young girls because you find that most times on a Saturday and a Sunday when they're out from school, a lot of them are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. So I want to and bring so up the boys community. And girls that play on the team? Don't no, just boys, but the girls will be forced okay. to come out and just and sit and enjoy the game of football mm. with their mother or their brothers. 
because they'll have uncles and stuff on the team. And will you one day have it for girls? Girls teams? Girls, is it as popular? It's here? not as no. popular in the inner city because what we want to, I guess, achieve in the inner city, for a lot of the girls, they're more focused on their appearance. Mm. So presumably, they, presumably they're not as involved in the violence and the bad stuff. No, they're not. Mm. But they do engage in other things that yeah. prevents a lot of them from finishing school, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So for me, the, the football competition is a way to bring the men and the community mm. together. And they win cash prize of $150,000. Oh, wow. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Now, on a scale of one to ten, how big a feminist are you? Um, fem- I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify myself as a feminist, really? but there are issues surrounding women that I'm for. You know, I'm for you know women being paid equal pay. Mm-hmm. I'm for women being um, treated with respect and love in you know in 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 jobs that are male dominated. So I try not to focus too much on separating. You know, old men, and then we have women. So we are here. I want equal rights and equal pay. And if that's you what want to, is, yeah, I would say that as well. And have you found in sport? You know, it is a male-dominated mm. world still in so many ways, and, and women don't get the same kind of respect and appreciation mm-hmm. as men. Have, like, have, have there been moments where you've been like angry about that? Sort of. Yeah, there are moments when, like, for instance, you know, uh, this year, uh, Dalila Mohammed from the United States broke the world record in the 400 meter hurdles and it it's almost like okay she broke the record but had it been the men who broke the world record in that 400 hurdles it would have been a different kind of celebration and mm. moment so for me there are moments when it'd be like oh you know they deserve more we deserve more but at the same time remember i'm raising a son and i want to raise my son to understand that he has to love women and respect them Mm. So I definitely wouldn't say, oh, because I'm a, fe-, you know, uh, oh, yes, I'm a feminist. No, I am for aspects of, you know, of the th- some of the, the things that they want to achieve because it affects me as a woman. But also I have my son that I want to mm. raise. And also, you know, I saw your post that you did about your husband mm-hmm. um, and about how, you know, he'd been the most yeah. amazing sport and you wouldn't have been able to have done, like, what you've done without him. And actually, like, I know that a lot of men that I know, my dad included, wouldn't be able to be like, I'm going to let my wife yeah. just go and thrive and flourish and I'm going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Some, men, about it. some men struggle with <laughs> that, don't they? Yes, they and do. That, and I thought that was so amazing. That yeah. You know, By the way, Julian, every episode she beats up on me in some way. I'm just saying because <laughs> I just think it is I think it's interesting. I think those men Yeah. Uh, let me yeah let me tell you, let me tell them. you what's funny. In Jamaica we talk about men who are from the country and men who are from Kingston. Yeah. They are totally different. Okay. My husband is from the country. So you find that a lot of the countrymen are raised different. They have to cook, they have to wash, they have to do household chores. While for men in Kingston, it's all about no, you know, I'm the no, I'm a boy. I can't do. I'm not supposed to be washing any plate. And I'm gonna be honest. I was one of those persons in high school when my my mother was like, "You're a girl. You're supposed to wash the plate." Do you have siblings? Yes, I had two brothers. Oh wow, me too. And I had to. My mom used to make me do everything, and my brothers. Oh wait, you put that back in. My brothers didn't have to do anything. Yeah, so you it was know, so natural for her. So to be I, like, 
Why were you so reluctant to, la to label yourself as a feminist? You sound to me like you are a feminist. No, I'm not. Because Why do you I, say that? Because, so, as I said, I'm raising a son. I have a son. I want to raise my son to be strong. And I want him to also know that he has to respect women. He has to. I want him to be like his father. But so coming back to like that thing of your husband being a, a different man. So is he, what does he do? So my husband is a businessman. Okay. So we have like we have we just recently sold our cafe because we had a cafe. So you're really, yeah. really an entrepreneur. Yeah. So we know we know everybody in the salon. So we had a good time with the salon. Yes. Yeah. So we also have real estate. So he does the real estate on um, farm. He does everything in terms of that aspect. So we're a partnership, mm -hmm. you know, and I believe it's very important that even in marriage or relationship that it is a partnership. You know, it's two people sharing the same goals. Yeah, we're in love and we have a relationship, but it's, I still want it to be a partnership because we want to achieve together. So my husband is, he's kind of like the background music, but that soothing music. And you're the lead singer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right? So he's like, he doesn't like the spotlight. You know, he's like, I'm going to an award ceremony. He'll come, but he doesn't really like the he's light. Like in the corner, yeah, he's like in the corner. Zion seems to like the cameras. Zion, yeah, sometimes mm. he has his father's personality. Sometimes, and I'm the excitement in the family. So he's, <laughs> sometimes, he, when I get home, he'll be the one running to the door, playing the drum, just to get me to say, good job. <laughs> but, you know, I love my, the dynamic of my family because for each of us, we know who we are and what we can achieve together, you know, as a family. And Jason, he takes his job very serious, you know, like if I'm, like I was just at the gym and he calls, oh, what are you going to eat? You need something to eat. And I'm like, well, there's food on campus. I can always get that. And he's like, no, I have to eat this. <laughs> he ha so he's like the nutritionist in the family. Oh, wow. So he is like, you have to eat this. So a lot of my secrets is surrounded my food as well and what, my, what I eat And I breakfast. wanted to ask, how has that differed? So when you were training when you were pregnant and when you were training after you had Zion, how did your diet and your regime change? Honestly, I think I ate pretty much the same way. As I said, my husband is very good when it comes to the kitchen. So anything that I ate before I was pregnant, it's the same thing I had because they were so nutritious. You understand? I was mm -hmm. eating my dumpling, my banana, my yam. I was eating the same thing, callaloo, which is mm -hmm. it's a vegetable mm -hmm. here yeah, in Jamaica. So ackee and salt fish. Mm -hmm. I was eating um, braising mackerel. So I was eating... Pretty much the same things, but very good. Not, and I wasn't the person who said, oh, I'm, I'm having a baby, so I should eat four dumplings. No, I ate the same food. Right. Yeah. You've talked about, you mentioned your friends a few times. What, what, if you go back to when you were at school and say your top five or six best friends, what are they all doing now? My top five or six, okay, one is in the army. I wouldn't say I had five best friends. Okay, how many did you have? I would say two. Okay, what are they doing? Well, one has a swimwear line called Sashi Swim. She has two sons. She and I was pregnant around the okay. at, at the same time. I had Zen in August. She had her son Jamari in October. And the next one, I would say, is a party planner. 
Okay. Yeah. And, do and do they like, wow, this is crazy that you're yeah. like the fastest woman in the world and you're so famous. Yeah, but they, they, they don't treat me like that. We're just low-key. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh my God, shells. They keep they you humble. Me, yeah, they they're keep like, you humble. They call me shells, you know, like, they're like shells. Boy, you're doing an amazing job. Like, I'm really proud in Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really proud of your girl. <laughs> you know, things like that. So they keep me grounded. Wait, have, you ever, have you ever felt that your success and fame has changed relationships? Yes, I have definitely felt that because when you're younger and when and now um, you're in the spotlight. You're 32 and, now, yeah, right? Okay. And you're on, you're, you know, you have this platform. Like for a lot of you have a lot of friends or family who expect that you're supposed to still be the Shelly Ann you were 10 years ago. I'm, I am not the same person, you know? And a lot of them think that because you're not the same person, it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Well, you, well, you evolve. But you. surely as well, like when you're training, you don't have time to really see people. It's yeah, so... that's true. But, you know, as I said... For my friends, the, my core friends, they nice. know mm. that, you know, I'm busy and I don't have friends that I need to, to call t 10 minutes out of the day, you know. Mm. I don't have those kind of friends. I'm not a babysitter. I don't are you, are you very political? No. If you were, say, if you were Prime Minister of Jamaica mm -hmm. and you got to do one thing to Jamaica, what mm. would it be? Oh, if I was Prime Minister of Jamaica, what would I do? The first thing I would do is I would go in the inner cities, of course, and I would build better homes for the, for the families in the inner city because I'm one of those persons who didn't have mm. a proper house, you know, and there are a lot of persons who don't have a proper place to rest their head. Mm. And especially when it rains as well. Yeah, like we, when and that's all, my, that's all my water house had its name. Really? Yeah. Because it's so wet. Yeah, it's when it rains, and there's the water coming in your house. So that's the water house. Wow. <laughs> that's what we said when we were growing up. So it was very wow. hard, and I definitely, there are a lot of persons like housing, you know, it's a very big thing here in Jamaica where a lot of persons are not living in the right conditions, mm. you know. And do you not feel that you could use your profile to, to drive politics? Yeah. Definitely. I would definitely think that I can use my 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 platform to to command change or to have change, but I wouldn't necessarily think I need to be in politics to do mm. that. I mm. can do that being who I am. Mm. And you are as well. And I am. That. So, yeah. you know, I'm also part of the UNICEF Jamaica here yeah. in Jamaica. I have community-based initiative, like I have a resource center in the community of Waterhouse that, you know, is center on providing a homework center for the kids to come in so we have students who volunteer and adults who volunteer to help with their homework mm. because for me I didn't have something like that when I was in high school my mother didn't understand most of what I was doing in school mm. so you find that when I go home I would just close the book or she would say you got any homework and I'd be like no because it's not like she's going to be able to help me anyway so you have a lot of young people in the community who's parents or their aunts or can't help them so we want to provide an atmosphere that persons can help with homeworks they can come and they can get their their assignments printed they have the use of a computer the internet we have a reading room because there's a basic school that's close like across the road and is there a sort of still like a feeling here that like the government just aren't doing 
enough when I it comes to stuff like that. I w- let me be honest. I wouldn't say they're not doing enough. I would like to think that sometimes it is so much. We have a lot going on. The challenge is too big, yeah. We have a lot going on. And I believe also that, yes, the government has a role to play, but the people mm. also has a role to play, you know. Mm. And a lot of them, they sit and believe that I'm hungry. Oh, the government should feed me. Mm. I don't have a job. The government should give me a job. Well, for a lot of them, they don't go out to seek a job. You understand? And a lot of them are not qualified enough to get some jobs. But yeah, we need more jobs because a lot of students are graduating Mm. from colleges Mm. that need jobs. So yeah, we need to create more jobs. But there are also people who are sitting at home not doing anything with the time that they have and they also contribute to a lot of the problems that we have in the country and is it sort of like very much a lot of the work in jamaica is in kingston it's concentrated into kingston do you think that young people, people sort of come here looking for work? yeah they love kingston is fast and i think a lot of young people young people like to be in kingston because they believe that a lot the, the life in kingston is a lot more it's for them i guess the light is shining brighter down mm-hmm. here or something but i believe there are jobs you know everywhere but a lot of person will say oh i don't want to move to the country because it's a big thing for us here in jamaica we don't mm. like the country a lot of us we only go for vacation it's so beautiful though <laughs> yeah it we, is we but, just, but, just driven through yeah, the whole island but, yeah but i wouldn't necessarily want to live in no. in the country i go to montego bay for vacation mm-hmm. i go to ocho rio or Grill or portland yeah for the, the yeah, adventure yeah, yeah. and stuff like that but i wouldn't live there because <sighs> Kingston has everything. Okay. So what are the plans? What are the plans for Tokyo? <laughs> My plan. Well, I just started training this week, okay. and I'm a bit sore. So we're in. It's November thirteenth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's 2020. Yeah, the plan is the same. Year. You know, yeah. I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I want to be faster, and. I'm just looking to have fun next year. You know, I've accomplished so much and I'm grateful for the opportunity that I get to represent my country and represent my family and myself, of course. And, you know, I just want to have fun. It will be my fourth um, Olympics. Olympics and definitely will be my final Olympics, of yeah. course. You definitely so, know that. I definitely know that. Right. Yeah. yeah. How does that make you feel? It doesn't really make me feel anyway, to be honest. I'll miss the sport, but I'll be okay. I'm, you know, a lot of persons ask, oh my God, are you going to be like dreading <laughs> the retirement? I'll be like, no. I've, I believe in timing, you know, when I have had enough and I've done what I wanted to do. Just like when I was pregnant, I knew I wasn't finished. I knew I wanted to come back because I knew how I felt. You know, I knew that, oh my God, there's still something burning, still something more to achieve. And I'm still having that feeling. So until that moment comes where I know, okay, it's time because I have things, other things that I want to accomplish and I want to do. Was London the best Olympics? No. What was? I would say Beijing. (laughs) Beijing. Yes, definitely Beijing. Beijing really? was awesome. I don't mean just for you. I'm talking about the world now. Look, my Beijing? Country, listen, Chelian, my country's going through a really bad time at the moment. So we've got this Brexit. Okay. So just say something that cheers up. London to really good. Beijing. <laughs> Beijing. No, I put that was your first one. It was that was my first one. It's not, games. 
It's yeah, not just the no. It was Olympic it was games. my first Olympic Games. Yeah, it was the most successful Olympic Games for Jamaica. The atmosphere, the, the village was just incredible. Mm. You know the service that we. I'm not saying we didn't have good service in in London. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying just everything that happened. The opening ceremony at the 2008 was like awesome. Sorry, Danny Boyle, best opening ceremony of all time. Yeah. Shelly, do you not like my country? <laughs> it's fine. I don't like it that much either. <laughs> well, I don't at the moment. <laughs> Beijing was really good. I okay. mean, and then after Beijing, I would say London, and then after London, I'd say Rio. Okay. Do you ever think that one? And after Tokyo, I would say London. <laughs> no, I'll say um, Beijing, Tokyo, Tokyo. London, Rio, <laughs> <laughs> and forevermore. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm feeling an anti-colonial message coming through. Good. We deserve it. Um, do you ever think you're coach? No. No. I don't have the patience. That, yeah, that's, we've, we've interviewed some like footballers yeah. who... I don't have the patience for coaching. Yeah. I am, if I'm, I'm very hard on myself and I can just see, in, I can just see myself taking a stick <laughs> and going... Did oh. I not say swing your hand? <laughs> I can't just see myself doing So what would you as a coach do when you were out skiving off school and yeah. pretending to run when you uh, were? What would you have done as a coach? He can't do that. I was a child. Okay. He's not allowed. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, that was me. But now, older being older now, I wouldn't coach high school. I don't think no. I'd volunteer though. I would definitely I volunteer my, my expertise in being, you know, I, I consider myself having been in track and field for so long as an expert. Yeah. So there are things that I can lend, you know, my cause to, so yeah. my, my, my voice to, and my, my time. But you don't think, yeah. But I mean, not coaching, no. Six people I would choose to save the world. Yeah. First, I would choose myself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love you. I choose myself. Yeah. I will. Is that, just tell us why. Because I believe that uh, I have the potential to do so much more for this for the world okay. you know just the impact you know um, not just as an athlete but as an entrepreneur as a mother you know okay yeah. I love and, that and your vice captain I'm captain I'm your captain my yeah. vice captain I would say Yara Sahidi uh-huh. yeah. I like her she's very her. powerful and she commands you know when, when she speaks mm. you know you, you don't know she, who she is do you no yeah, do you, you don't no, you don't. Yeah, do she's amazing yeah she yeah. is she's amazing She's like so young. Um, as well. Let me see who is my third person. Could be dead. Okay. Mother Teresa. Yeah, okay. she's she's been picked quite a lot. Yeah, she mm-hmm. has. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She's selfless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And men? on the men's side now. Mm. I think we're getting the husband yeah. Mm. No. Hmm. Had a row. Anybody from London? No, nobody from the UK. I don't. I know nobody from the UK. (laughs) Have you ever heard of um, Burnley Burnley Football Club? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's your favourite Burnley club? I don't know any Burnley players. <laughs> Can I ask me about Arsenal? Who's your favourite Arsenal player? When yeah. he was there, that was the reason I started to, to follow them in the first place. Is he Arsenal? Yes, I'm oh, an Arsenal fan. Right and Uzo is, is like, yeah. 
They're yeah. in a bad way. They're, they're getting well. they're I mean not as bad as Manchester United. No, yes, true. exactly. True. So yeah. So you're doing very well as you probably know. Um, okay. You three so men. um I would go for Barack Obama. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would go for Muhammad Ali. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched the film on the plane yesterday. Have you seen that? What's no, my I've not name? Seen the it. film, what's my name? Mm-hmm. Right, it's amazing. Yeah, Muhammad yeah, Ali. He, I he, liked he's, him. He's in my team. Yeah. yeah. He's strong. I like his personality. He's like he's a go-getter. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. And the third person, just because I'm gonna need my oh, husband. Let's pause there. There's a phone ringing. It's a fax. Oh, is it a fax? It's a phone. Oh, my <laughs> husband, because we make a great team. Oh, and you're on the team. So yeah. He has so he has to. Be, so he's listen, the vice captain. Yes, Probably. my husband gives sound advice, like. He is, he'll take the shirt off his back to give you. He's that type of person. He'll go, that's my, that's his weakness for me. He, like, cares so much. What's the best advice he's given you? Like, for me, I remember um, once he said to me when I was pregnant, he said to me, I believe in you. You know, you're going to come back and you're going to do great. So don't worry about it. Just enjoy the moment. He's always so positive. Like, I'm positive, you know, and I believe in myself and I'm all of that. But there are times when I sit in my coach and be like, <laughs> and he's the one to come and, you know, you'd be weird because he's not an athlete, you know. he's, yeah. But he's the one to get me so moving. Has he, got, has he got an athlete's mindset? Is that what it is? And I wouldn't say he has an athlete mindset. I would definitely like to say he's just he's he's, um, he's just genuine. He really cares. And does he have God as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not so committed as I am, you know. But he'll get there. Can we also talk about your children's book? Yes. We read that. Yeah, I am a promise. So yeah. as I said, you know, my You mentioned you talked about promise, promise earlier, yeah, yeah. yeah, my my grandmother and you know, my mother and you know, everybody who around me who helped me to believe that I have something to give, you know, the things that I want to achieve, things that I I believe and I think about when I was younger, they are possible. We can achieve them and it doesn't matter where you're from or your current circumstances. If you are willing to work hard and to have faith and to believe that the the outcome is going to be far greater than we imagine. So So do you see that book as having a message specifically for young girls? For young girls and young boys. Basically to believe that they could do... You can do anything, whatever is your promise, you can deliver on that promise. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are right now. You know, they believe that, oh, I'm too young. You're not too young. It starts somewhere. Mm. You know, every tree was once a seed. So you, you have to start somewhere and you grow eventually. And then you start to bring different leaves and roots. And then eventually you'll blossom into something far greater than you imagine. And can I just say one thing, okay? Because that, right, so I'm going to come back to the feminism because I'm stubborn. Um, So I am very passionately a feminist and and my feminism is just, I think men and women should be equal. Mm -hmm. As simple as that. Mm -hmm. On that definition, would you say you're a feminist? Yes, on that definition, then. Yes. Yes. Just on that definition, I would <laughs> say so that because that's, that's what I want. That's all it is. And so is your husband. My husband is feminist. Yeah, because it's that. And actually, <laughs> I, I think about that dynamic, yeah, between husband and wife a lot, where it's like the, the woman is the one who's getting a lot of 
because that's my parents' power. Yeah, we're a partnership. And you're a partnership, mm-hmm. but it's... But, but I'm going to put a butt in the there. In all of that, my husband is still the head of my household. So I'm gonna put a butt in there. When you when in you got when way. you got married, did you do the obey vow? Yeah. Did you? No. What obey vow? There's no obey. Yeah. yeah there no. is. There isn't. We to went... obey it. No, yeah, it's a, it's both things. Both of us did that thing. Oh really? Okay. Both each other. Yeah. Yeah. You repeat after me. That's what the pastor said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said repeat after me. So we. Re- <laughs> but in my household, my husband is the head. Right. Sounds yeah. like you're the real head, though. No, he is. He is. I allow him to lead. Well, listen, yeah. Shelly Ann, it's been an absolute joy. You are you are the G G O A T. You goat. are. Me, me. My husband said, oh, my, that's the next thing. My husband said, you're not no goat. You're the lion. Yeah. <laughs> you really are, though. That's honestly. what he says. It's he so said, cool. you're not no goat. You're the lion. <laughs> Right, Dad. On a scale of one to ten, how much do I love Shelley Ann Fraser Price? Yeah, ten. Me too. Absolute ten. And I must say <laughs> to our listeners, because obviously this wasn't filmed, Shelley Ann did just look at me uh, for the entirety of the podcast. She was seemed quite besotted with me. I would say maybe it was my curly hair, maybe it was my infectious personality. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm very happy I got her onto our side on the feminism by the end. I'm very happy. I, I, I think she was always there. She was always there. Someone was telling us when we were in Jamaica that Jamaican women, so the highest amount of women on boards in the world is in Jamaica. Wow. Jamaican women, like, have over 50% of board Because last seats. week, Hella was talking about how bad it was in Denmark. Well, exactly. But but in Jamaica, those, those women aren't sort of like constantly talking about feminism. They just are doing it, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the difference. And so I think Shelley Ann is such a good example of that. She mm. obviously is a feminist, but she was just a bit offended that we even asked her whether. No, or not no, she... it's a very it's a much more traditional culture. The men are raised, she said, to be the the head of a household, and the woman is there to run the household. And even though she's a kind of world famous, very wealthy, very successful athlete, that is how she sees herself in the home. But I think in terms of her belief about equality, um, she feels that. I also think the thing that I thought was really interesting is is just how... I mean, look, Bolt is one of the biggest names in the world in terms of, you know, uh, not just sport, but I think he he kind of goes beyond that. And yet she's not as well-known around the world maybe as Bolt is, but as an athlete, she's pretty much in a league of her own. She is, and she's um, just got a style of her own, and she's built mm. her own character. And I think, and, and by the way, that is interesting about how, and she, she she touched on that, but how you know much less recognition she gets because she's a woman. Well, she was talking about the four hundred meter hurdler mm. Eliza Muhammad, and it's true that which that her race in Doha was incredible, and it wasn't really that big a deal. Um, I thought it was very interesting after the after we stopped taping, um, because I'd thrown in the fact that we were both kind of non-believers. But actually, for a good half hour after the cam- after the tape stopped, she was trying to persuade me that I should believe in God. So she's very that faith thing in her is. I mean, she didn't sort of push it down her throat. No, all, she but... didn't. But I did think that's where a lot of her confidence in herself comes from, mm. and also that thing of when she's on the track before she's starting the race, she has no other thoughts in her head because she's just thinking about doing the best she can because mm. God has told her that she I'll can tell you what, and she I think knows a lot that God of sport, believes in her. A lot of people who are into sport would be really interested is that 
when we pushed her on the medals and which one went the, went the most, the one that she talked about most wasn't even a gold medal, it was a bronze. I love that, though. Mm. That's the really recognition of failure. Or not even failure, she didn't see that as failure. No, because she, she, she didn't expect even to get to the final and, and she said it was the hardest fight of all of the ones that mm. she did. But I'll tell you what, she's got real charisma. I she's love got a her. lovely voice, she's got beautiful eyes. I love And she's got a fantastic her. smile. She's just amazing mm. she really is incredible. i'm glad we came all this way i'm glad we traveled a nine hour round trip to come and see <laughs> shelly ann because she really is one of the most charismatic are we not saying that, people are we, are we, are i've ever not, met are we not going to pretend that we went the whole way no, just for that. dad we were in jamaica for a very close family friend's <laughs> wedding grace gould congratulations congratulations Hello, to grace and john <laughs> hopefully they hear this yeah funny where one choice takes you from the edge of making a decision to doing research on the cutting edge, from being bored in your room to being heard in the boardroom, from the CAO to your first day at TU Dublin ready for anything. One choice, infinite possibilities. Choose TU Dublin on your CAO. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 